You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. My name is Cindy. I'm a compulsory eater. Hi, it's good to see you guys. It's nice to be here today. And um, I've been in OA for a really long time. I actually came to my very first meeting when I was 12 years old, and which kind of tells me in a sense that I was like born a compulsory eater. That's how I feel anyways, because literally like my, my very first uh, memory was of food. Um, and a lot of my life is kind of in like areas of like weight like I know at this time in my life I was you know 225 pounds when I was 11 years old and um, when I was 14 to 15 I was already over 400 pounds and from my earliest memory like food really controlled my life and food was the only thing that mattered to me you know all the other things that most young kids cared about everything for me was wrapped in food my mom was my best friend, my eating buddy, and I isolated a lot. And my sister, you know, was kind of like this out of control teenager with boys and drinking and things like that. And I was so wrapped up in the food that I never got into any of those other normal teenage things because the work, the food worked for me at such a young age that I never had to get involved with anything else. And the food worked so well for me until it didn't, you know, and I remember just this overall feeling as a child that no matter how much food I had, it was never enough. And I always needed everything that I was given, which was always a lot too. And then I needed yours. And if there was like three slices of something I needed four, if there was four, I needed five. I always needed more of my share. And it wasn't like food was something that I couldn't have or that I was really, I mean, there was parts of my life when my family always tried to, you know, put me on diets and things like that. But in general, I had a lot to eat. I had plenty to eat. I wasn't like, you know, wanting or um, we weren't like, we might've been poor in certain areas. And, you know, I didn't have like a lot of material possessions maybe, but I always had all the food that I wanted. Um, but even though I had all the food that I wanted, it still wasn't enough. And I remember my mom like sharing stories with me as a, as a kid, that stories that, I was so young that I don't even remember, but I just remember her telling me, you know, and she would beg me to stop eating. And I would throw these huge fits as, as like practically a baby and like nothing comforted me like the food, you know, I just wanted the food more than anything else in this world. And when I was 12 years old or I think 14, my grandparents um, offered me $5,000 to get down to 200 pounds. And, you know, they really meant, meant well um, from a standpoint of, of people who had no idea what compulsive eating was and what addiction was. And, you know, I remember my grandma telling me, think of it like 
in two years, like you can buy a car when you're 16, $5,000 was a lot back then. But um, so, and that was like my first taste of powerlessness, you know, because as like a, a 14 year old, like being offered what like today would be probably like a hundred thousand dollars, especially to a young person. I wanted that money more than I could. I ever remember wanting anything and I could not do it, you know, and my mom and my family, they get, there's a lot of mixed signals about food. Like it was always like, I always knew that they were trying to fix me. I didn't know how, you know, I would go to my grandparents' house and like, they would suddenly bring out the treadmill and have it waiting for me in the garage. And my um, grandma didn't drive and she would take me to like a kid's kid's play place. And my grandpa would drop us off and then like, we would be expected to walk home. They like did all these things to try and get me to lose weight. But then my mom would come home with like a bakery item or they would like, we'd go out to Sunday dinner and they would try and feed me their dessert after I'd eaten my meal and my dessert, you know? So it was always like this really strange mixed signals of like, well, what is it that you want from me? You know, as a young kid, do you want to give me all this food or do you want me to lose weight? And my mom took me to like self-help groups and, you know, we were always on diets together. And I remember she took me to a dietitian and this, and I was like, I think I was about 11 at the time. And I remember the dietitian, like telling the story about how she, um, you know, wanted a box of cookies and she like wrote her, uh, she told herself, if I'm going to get these box of cookies, I'm going to ride my bike to the store. And then by the time she got there, she like no longer wanted them. So she just rode home, you know, as I like an 11 year old, I was like, this lady is like full of shit. Like I was thinking in my mind, like I would need like two boxes because I went through all that trouble, you know? And so it just tells me like, I'm bodily and mentally different from my fellows. And I, I have always been that way. And I will always be th that way. You know, I look at food, food is always going to be more than food for me. Food has been always more than food for me. And, um, you know, this disease kind of took over my life little by little. And, you know, I came in when I was 12, but I didn't stay. I was kind of, I was, basically forced into it by the school district. I was abused in school because of my weight. And um, I was in this independent study program, like a, um, where I would just do most of my work at home and which wasn't a thing, you know, 30 years ago, which now it's like totally a thing like homeschooling and stuff. But, and they basically told me that I had to go to OA or I had to go back to public school. So that's what got to me my got me into my first meeting. And I thought people were a little bit crazy and you know, I didn't understand anything. But I believe the seed was planted because I never I didn't go back, you know, at the time, but I always remember that there was a place called Overeaters Anonymous, you know, and like years later when I was 23, I had just started um a new diet and that diet became my first abstinence and i remember swimming in my pool which is what i did every time i started a new diet for exercise and the thought suddenly crossed my mind like maybe i should try away you know and i believe that was my higher power and so i went back and the very that meeting was very um there's only like two women it was very awkward they were very nice but it was super awkward they were like reading out of the 12 the 12 steps it wasn't even the 12 and 12 yet they were reading out of the 12 steps of oa and they read um step four and i read like the sex part and it was like really weird 
but they told me about this meeting a few nights later that was a newcomer meeting and it was really big and and i walked in and i was immediately home you know and my cat is crying and he's gonna not shut up until i let him out of the room um <laughs> so anyways um so i went in that meeting and you know i I was in the meeting, I walked in with another woman who was new, and I still remember her name. We kind of flocked together, and we sat and we talked a little bit, and like I never saw her again. And sometimes I think about this woman, I still remember her name, and sometimes it like brings tears to my eyes because I don't know why some people get this and some people don't. And But that meeting was enough to keep me coming back for the rest of my life. Like there was something special there. It was like something so special that i just i immediately was like this was the missing piece of my life and i know that not everyone feels that way so that is like a huge blessing but and that meeting was very dark and you know it wasn't the joy and laughter of meetings today <laughs> but that again tells me i'm different from other people because an average person probably would have ran and never came back but it was you know, my higher power knew exactly what I needed. And by then I was 479 pounds and I was 23 years old. I would get really bad heart ch chest pains, heart palpitations. Years later, you know, I developed gestational diabetes that never went away, you know, after I had my daughter. So I became a type two diabetic. I had high blood pressure, um, you know, like you name it. When I was, uh, when I found out that I was pregnant, like the doctor acted like I was like a 14 year old knocked up kid you know she's like what do you want to do with about the baby oh you want to keep it well here's all the things that could go wrong with you and your child and like this disease robbed me of the ability to be happy in that moment this disease robbed me of so many things in my life and by that moment like i just needed to hear that this is a deadly disease, which is not something I hear a lot in meetings because it is, maybe it isn't a deadly disease for everyone, especially physically. Um, but for me at 479 pounds, it was, you know, I've broken, I, I've broken furniture. I've broken, um, I once broke a public um, sink that I leaned on or sat on when I was younger, I broke um, a public toilet, you know, like an actual toilet, not the toilet seat, but the toilet actually flew off the wall and I landed in a puddle of water. You know, I talk about pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. When I was about 19 or 20, I was playing around on the beach and um, a wave knocked me down. And when you're 400, 400 plus pounds, you can't just jump back up. And I could not maneuver myself up again and waves kept knocking me down and pushing me into the ocean and my mom tried to grab onto me and she couldn't I was being dragged into the sea and like I remember looking at her face and seeing like the terror and like two men showed up out of nowhere you know and pulled me out and you know I think to this day if I would have drowned it would have been listed as a drought an accidental drowning but it would have been the direct result of compulsive eating and the addiction that this disease has in my life and so that first meeting was all about death and dying and heart attacks and like the fatality and the fatal nature and it was exactly what i needed and i remember this woman running up to me after the meeting and it's funny how there's certain things you just never forget 
and she was like, please come back next week. They're not all like this. And I was like, what is she talking about? Like, this was a great meeting, but probably a normal person would probably be like, what are these freaks talking about? I'm not that bad, you know, but I was that bad. I was, and, and that is like beyond, like, it's way beyond my weight. I always share that like the weight that I've lost and one of the smallest gifts this program has ever given me, you know, like if you, I love the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and that is like my roadmap to life. And, you know, on page 52, it says, um, it talks about the bedevilments and is it page 52? I thought it was page 52. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, we're having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We we're a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We we're full of fear. We we're unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. And that was the life that I lived. You know, strangers on the street used to come up to me and tell me how angry I looked because that's the aura that I put out in this world. Strangers on the street would come up to me and like touch me inappropriately because that's the aura that I put out. Like I wanted to flirt with everyone. I would say inappropriate things just to see the shock in your face and just to get attention. You know, I remember years ago, this woman that I worked with, like, sent me this thing about how she had like had this affair and she was going into like really great detail about this affair that she had and I was like like kind of disgusted like oh my god why is she telling me all this and then it dawned on me because that's the person she knows the person who would have loved to hear about your affair the person you know like that's the person that I used to be someone who got off on like gossip and and inappropriate stuff and like flirting, anything that got me attention. And that's not the woman that I am today, you know? And I couldn't make a living. I got fired from a job because I was too busy eating. Like I didn't do something horrible at my work, but I was just, um, I couldn't concentrate, you know? I was, my mind was so focused on the food. You know, one time I like went on, um, one time I got on the wrong bus because I was so hyped up on sugar at the bus stops. I would go into like the dollar store and I would get all kinds of sugar. My eyes were glossing over and like, I was supposed to get on like the 221 and I got on the 211 or something. And like, I ended up like hours lost on the bus or something, something crazy, you know? Um, that's like, that is literally how I used to live my life. Today I don't. Sorry, I had to. There's so many distractions on Zoom. <laughs> um, I've had a really hard time in this pandemic. Like, I'm finally coming to the terms of like appreciating Zoom and stuff. And it was so hard for me in the past. You know, in the past when this first started, I literally would like drive to McDonald's and like sit in the parking lot with the coffee like every saturday morning to go to my 6 a.m meeting because that way there's not like family and kid my daughter and like my 20 million cats and everyone running around that was how i was able to like try and focus on the meeting but um so besides these um that's the way i used to live and then on page um on page 83, it starts the promises. And I just wanted to go over them, you know, because this is the life that I live today. 
We are going to new, a new freedom and a new happiness. We'll not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. And I've had so many things happen in my past. Like I used to be in an abusive relationship and it was abusive on both parts, not physically, but I would do insane things. I remember like jumping on this person's car um, to prevent him from leaving. I would like tear up my house and, um, you know, I pretended like, to take pills and pretended like I passed out. Like I did all, thank you. I did all these different things for attention, you know? Like I used to think, I never wanted to die. I never wanted to kill myself, but I wanted to like try to kill myself, like just so that they like, not succeed. But then, then you'll know like how important I am and how you can't live without me, you know? And then, make me feel like I'm just the most important thing in your world. Like, that's what I wanted. I wanted to feel like the most important thing in people's worlds. And like, I have this, I have this ex-husband and, um, you know, I, we used to break up all the time and then we would stop start dating and he would leave me and my daughter over and over again. And I would get such a high when we'd start dating. And I had a friend who was like, well, you can't just break up every six months so that you'll feel important. And so you'll feel wanted and stuff, but that's kind of how I lived my life. And I was in homeless shelters and, um, I couldn't hold down a job and like all these insane things have happened. And with this program, with the 12 steps, because this is a 12 step program, it is not about the food at all. The food was my solution, you know, not my problem. It was just what I chose to use. Like I could have used a lot of different things, but the food was there and the food was available. Like none of that other stuff was at that time when I was like four years old, you know? And, you know, I feel a new freedom and a new happiness today. I feel a joy and a freedom in my heart that has nothing to do with outside circumstances, you know, and no matter how far down the scale I've gone, I can see how my experience can benefit others. You know, that feeling of uselessness will slip away. Like nothing gives me more purpose than sharing the message of hope to people who need it, you know, and speaking at meetings, like it's like a miracle that I can like speak at a meeting. Like I used to be this little girl in the corner that just sat there with her head held down, you know, and through this program, like I have a, I've been at my job for 16 years. I just celebrated nine years of, of abstinence. I've been abstinent. I mean, I've been in this program for 22 years. I've been abstinent probably like 80% of the time because it's not consecutively. Right. So like, I was always like, I'm going to get this thing. Like this is, this is part of like how it says that stubbornness can be turned into perseverance. So it'd be like a defect versus an asset because I was like, I'm not going to stop coming back. Right. And my last relapse was like a, um, a day and a half. And I couldn't have, you know, had a lot of physical ramifications for that, but I was dead spiritually. And I just woke up and I was like, I can't do this anymore. You know, self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. And I know I'm almost out of time, but I just want to share um, one of my very favorite readings is um, a vision for you in the big, I love the big book, a vision for you uh, when it talks about um there is always one more attempt and one more failure. And most, for most folks, drinking means conviviality, companionship, and colorful imagination, but not so in those last days of drinking, right? And it talks about, yeah, is there a substitute? Yes, there is, and it is vastly more than that. It's a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. 
your imagination will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. And that is so beautiful to me because that, whenever, when I was on diets, like people took my food, but gave me nothing to replace it. In this program, no one takes anything from me. I freely give up those things that were killing me for so many other gifts. And this program has given me gifts beyond my imagination. I've released over 230 pounds and a million pounds, you know, off my, my, my spiritual and emotional weight. You know, I have a higher power today. Like I have a new outlook. I've been at my job for 16 years. I've been at my home for seven years. Like my rent gets raised today. And the first time my rent was raised, I was like, Oh my God, I've actually lived someplace long enough for them to raise my rent. I kid you not. I would leave before anyone raised my rent and I only have about a minute left, but I just want to share real quick that a few days ago, I got in a car accident and um, I'm okay but like my I think I had a little whiplash but so um I was backing up and someone rammed, rammed into me and um they told their insurance company that I ran them and that they were backing up and so I've been doing a lot of work with God and with these steps and you know I wrote an, I wrote a couple of inventories and I realized like I can't afford resentment you know I can't because you might be 99% at fault, but my 1% is what's going to kill me. And I just can't do it. You know, and I was, I was writing out an inventory and I sent it to a friend of mine and I was like, you know, they're dishonest assholes. Like, that's what I wrote down. And then when I was doing my part, it was like, oh, I was once a dishonest asshole too. So maybe I can give them a little grace because they have their reasons. And I'm grateful that I'm not hurt any more than I already am. Thank you. And, um, I'm grateful that I have a program because I'm sure they don't, you know, and I'm grateful that I get to live a different way today and I get to be honest and be happy about it. And if other people aren't, that's okay because they can do them and I'm going to do me with my higher power and with you guys. Thanks for letting me share. Mm -hmm.